as we have been doing on occasions on Sunday evening, we gather around the table and share stories of faith, and tonight we're going to hear another story of faith. And I'm just going to ask Dorothy a few questions. She doesn't know what they are yet, <laughs> but she's more than capable of responding with quick-fire answers. So uh, I'll introduce her, then pray for her, and then I'll hand over to her. And she's going to tell us something about a journey that she has been on over the last couple of months, uh, but set that in the context of something of the calling on her life uh, that lasts for many years before that. So, Dorothea, how many years have you been associated with Windsor Baptist Church? Oh, goodness, who can count that high? <laughs> um, basically all my life. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, do you want me to tell you yeah, how old I yeah, am? Yeah, go on, go on, tell us. Well, I'm over 65, will oh, that do? Okay, okay, there you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, tell us just a little bit about your family connection with this church. Well, my parents were two of the founder members of the church. And indeed, I think most of the founder members were relatives of one kind or another. Uh, my okay. uncle and aunt and my grandmother, I think, were among the founder members, yeah. And what has your... Uh, experience of this church being in terms of how it's changed since your 60-something uh, years of experience here been? Well, um, for one thing, there's a lot more members now. Yeah. Uh, it used to be around 100 for most of, most of my, uh, the first half of my life, shall we say. That was the membership. Um, yes, it wouldn't have been as full as this on a Sunday morning, never mind in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Anything particularly about the missionary focus of the church that's changed? Well, um, when I joined Wycliffe, which is 40 years ago, um, I, was, I think I was the only missionary in the church. Uh, now, how many do we have? 25? Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So that is tremendous. Uh -huh. And I must say, um, all of my years, all of my 40 years with Wycliffe, I've had great support from the church. And I really want to thank you all from that, for that. Um, was it the, one of the Beatties said last week, we tell our colleagues about the support we get from the church and they're all envious. And I would say that's uh, fairly true of my experience too. I really, really do appreciate the way this church has supported me all through the years. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take more time from what you're going to say tonight, but I would say from the point of view of a church member, the opportunity to follow what our missionary family are doing and enter in in some way to their experience of faith is an enormous privilege and I think we've seen that in your life for as long as those of us who have been around here uh, have known you and your story tonight I think will illustrate that as Kat said at the beginning we'll hear something of God's faithfulness so I'm looking forward to that let me just pray for you and pray for us as we Listen to that together. Father, we acknowledge that you are a faithful God. We've been thinking today already how you have no favorites and how you have opened the door of the gospel for the Gentiles and for the Mundu people and for people that we don't know about. And we thank you for the opportunity tonight 
to see something of your faithfulness and to hear how you have been at work. And we pray for Dorothea. Open her mind and voice and help us to hear the ways in which you've been at work and understand more of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right, now how does this... Just press that one there. Press that Thank one you. there. Nothing can go wrong. Okay. <clears throat> so as you've gathered, I'm a member of Wycliffe Bible Translators, and you can probably guess that we specialize in translating the Bible, especially for those who don't already have a Bible in their language. And I joined Wycliffe about 40 years ago, 41 actually, and yes, uh, most of that time I worked in Africa, uh, working with a, a team from the Mundu people, translating the New Testament into the Mundu language. Where do the Mundus live? They live on the border between South Sudan and the Democratic Republic of Congo. So that's that tiny little triangle. Um, do we have a, a light on this thing? Would that do it? Uh, I need to do it up here. Ah, that's better, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that tiny little triangle there uh, is where the Mundus live. They're a small group, maybe 25,000, 30,000, something like that. So in 1978, I started work in a Mundu village in South Sudan near the town of Maridi. And about a year later, I started translation with Pastor Inosa. Our work was interrupted by war a couple of times. In 1987, we had to leave South Sudan because of the uh, civil war. And in 1996, we had to leave um, Zaire because of the civil war. Uh, so I uh, started in Maridi and in 87 had to move into what was then Zaire, now the Democratic Republic of Congo, but still within the Mundu language area. But then when there was a civil war in Zaire, Congo as well, then we moved across another border into Uganda, which had been very unsettled, but by now was peaceful, thank God. So there was a another place to go outside the Mundu area, but not too far away, and there were quite a lot of refugees, Mundu refugees there. So I was working with mainly with three Sudanese refugees by the time we got to um, Uganda, which is, um, ah, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Yes, that's the uh, thing there, Inoka, Seme, and Dominic. Uh, were the translation team that I was working with at that point. And we got the New Testament completed in 2006, or 2004, the dedication was in 2006, uh, amid great celebrations. And there are a couple of folk from the church, um, Nigel Young and Isabel Thompson, came out to uh, visit and take part in the celebrations. Now, when I left Africa in 2006 and returned to Belfast, I did not retire from Wycliffe, but I simply moved from the Africa area to the Eurasia area. I'm now working with an entity called Fertile Crescent Harvest, which is deliberately ambiguous because some of the projects are very sensitive. I'm working as a translation consultant 
most of the time now, but I have kept in touch with my Mundu friends, and I have made some trips back to Sudan, including one in the last couple of months. In 2001, um, I had the opportunity to take part in some workshops translating the script of the Jesus film into Mundu, among other languages. Uh, the Jesus film is, as you might guess, a film about the life of Jesus, and it's based on Luke's gospel. It's very, very scriptural. But, um, yes, so I was, uh, there were two workshops in 2011, and the script was translated into six Sudanese languages, including Mundu. The workshops were held in Juba, which is the capital of South Sudan, it's some distance from the Mundu area. That would be approximately the Mundu area. Uh, but Dominic and Seme, two of the original translation team that I worked with in Arua and Congo, they came to Juba and worked with me um, basically on adapting the translation of Luke's gospel to fit into the Jesus film. And when we had uh, completed uh, the draft of the script, then that needed to be checked with other speakers of Mundu, not just Dominic and Semi and me, but a wider audience needed to go over it. So the plan was that while I went back to Belfast, Dominic and Semi would travel to their home area and uh, would go over it with other, other influential people in the area. Now, by 2012, this had not happened. And uh, eventually, in June of 2012, um, I decided to make another trip out to South Sudan. I flew to Juba, but I then proceeded by road first to Maridi, which is Dominic's hometown, and then to Ye, where Zeme uh, is living. And we met with Mundus in both those places. We read through the script and it did produce a final version of the script. So what needed to happen next? Um, from July on, Dominic and Semi were supposed to choose and train voice actors to act, the, to read the script uh, for the recording. And they actually did this. They chose the actors and they trained them. They were then supposed to communicate with Onesimus a Kenyan SIL member who works in Juba and was acting as coordinator of this workshop program. And he would then communicate with the Jesus film people and they would send out a recording team. And this was supposed to happen in, the, the recording was supposed to happen in October 2012. Well, it happened last month. So what went wrong? So many things went wrong that I don't actually have time to tell you about all of them, but I'll give you some examples. In September 2012, there was a funding crisis. It wasn't that there wasn't any funding, but the money was in the wrong account and couldn't be found, and it took several months to track it down. It was one of these administrative glitches. So that, was, uh, that wasn't uh, the Mundo's fault. That was on our side, whether it was SIL, Wycliffe, or whether it was the Jesus film or who, but somehow the money had got lost. We found the money eventually. Semi's father died in March 2013, which um, took up 
a fair bit of his time because, of course, he was ill for a while before he died. And then Semi, as the eldest son, was responsible for the funeral, which in Africa can drag on for months because as relatives from a distance come in. Anyway, that took a lot of time. Then in December 2013, civil war broke out again in South Sudan and uh, all the SIL Wycliffe staff in South Sudan were evacuated. So that was another few months before that got going again. Semi's mother died in September 2014. Again, that took some months of his time. And you get the picture. There were other things that went wrong too. And everybody became very discouraged and thought this is never going to happen. And Semi and Dominic would try to have refresher courses for the actors and the actors wouldn't come because they would think, ah, you know, we've had these training courses before and nothing came of it. And yeah, one thing and another thing. So when my sister Helen passed away in October and I became free to travel once again, I thought maybe I should go out again to Sudan and spend a bit more time and maybe I could help them to overcome their discouragement. And then I thought, well, actually what's going on here is spiritual warfare. And it's um, rather arrogant of me to think that I can overcome the powers of darkness single-handed. What I need is, or what we need is prayer to overcome the power of darkness. And so one of my aims actually in going out was to mobilize prayer for this project. And I know that there were a lot of people in Windsor that were praying for me. And I really appreciate that. I sent a lot of updates. Sometimes it was one every day because there was so much going on that I felt we needed prayer for. And thank you very much, very, very much for all the prayer that you put into this. So anyway, I decided on another trip similar to the last one. I would fly to Juba and then travel by road to Maridi and on to Ye. So I was due to leave on the 7th of March, and on the 5th of March, I got this email from the Jesus Film people. Um, they said, I'm very sorry to say that unfortunately we don't have the personnel to put together a recording team in the time needed. A second issue is the concern for team safety while in Juba. Our crisis management people will not currently approve travel to Juba. Well, you can imagine how we all felt about that. We were absolutely devastated. So the first thing I did was to send off an urgent prayer request to a lot of my prayer partners. And then the second thing was to send a pleading, groveling email to the Jesus film, uh, laying it on as thick as I could. Please, please, can you reconsider? This is really the last chance. Everyone is already so discouraged that if this doesn't work, I think it really never is going to happen. I got a response from, back from them quite quickly and quite positive. And they were very willing to work with me and with the others in South Sudan to try and find possible solutions to the problems. Um, for the solution of finding a team, they wanted us to move back the recording date. And that's why I ended up staying longer than originally planned. But in fact, it was only a week longer, so that wasn't too bad. And very generously, the Jesus film um, paid for the extra cost 
that was involved. It's a huge um, enterprise, the Jesus Film Project. It's a department of Campus Crusade based in Orlando. And there's a lot of money available for, to, to make the film available in different languages. So anyway, we needed to move back the date of the recording and then they thought they might be able to find a team and we also needed to find an alternative venue for the recording because they, weren't, uh, they wouldn't be allowed, a recording team would not be allowed to come to Juba. So um, I decided, although we didn't have the solution yet, um, they were so positive about trying to find a solution that I decided to go ahead in faith. And on the 10th of March, I set off for Juba. Um, I flew via Nairobi and uh, it took all night to get to Nairobi and then straight on the next day to Juba. And Juba was hot. Oh, it was hot. It was over 40 degrees most of the time I was there, which luckily was only a week. And uh, after that, things were a lot cooler, but it was really hard to stick. Abseme uh, came to meet me in Juba. Um, pity that picture's so dark. Um, is the one nearest the camera that you can't see, and the other guy is his brother, Emmanuel. And we met with uh, some other Mondos who are now work, living and working in Juba. And we discussed the film and what we might do about it all. Uh, we heard on the 13th of March that they had found a two-man recording team. Uh, they're both Americans, as you see, but um, this is Tim, and he is based in, oh dear, Thailand, Chiang Mai in Thailand, and Andy is based in the Jesus Film headquarters in Orlando. Um, they don't, they're not one of the regular teams that travel around doing recordings, but they're both trained recordists, and they made a special effort to come out uh, so that they could record the Jesus film for us. I very much appreciate that, and also their families in being willing to part with them. So, um, what does that picture say? Oh yes, a new venue for the recording. My idea was, if you don't want to go to Juba, let's do the recording in Ye. Um, the facilities there, that will work, and you can fly directly from Uganda to Ye, so you don't even have to go through Juba. Well, it turned out that it wasn't specifically Juba, really, that they objected to, it was South Sudan. And so we decided to go for Uganda, and eventually the recording was done in Arua, where I had worked uh, for the last six years or so of my time in Africa. Um, it wasn't all plain sailing, though. Almost as soon as Seme arrived in Juba, he heard that his wife, back in Ye, had become very ill and had been rushed to hospital. Um, during the time when we were in Maridi, his wife had a hysterectomy. Uh, by the time we got to Ye, she was still in hospital but recovering, and she got out of hospital while we were in Ye and seemed to be recovering. But uh, I got an email from Semi just a couple of days ago to say that she still was far from well and she actually had to go back into hospital. So please do continue to pray for Monica, Semi's wife. Um, on the 17th of March, Semi and I celebrated St. Patrick's Day by traveling from Juba to Maridi. And that was a nightmare journey. That was 
one of the low points of the trip, definitely. First of all, we had to spend hours waiting around in the blazing hot uh, Juba bus park, which has very little shade. And I don't know why we had to wait so long, but anyway, uh, it wasn't that the car wasn't full. Uh, this is the car we eventually found. You can see that it's far from ideal. You can see that it's heavily overloaded and that the springs aren't terribly good. And if you look closely, you may see the stones under the back wheel, which if you're an experienced third world traveler, you will realize means that the brakes aren't much good either. I see some people nodding. Yeah, <laughs> been there and done that. Um, the road was as bad as I've ever seen it, but thankfully it was dry at this time of year, but a lot of potholes. And the driver had never driven that road before. So we progressed slowly from Juba. We left about half past two in the afternoon, and uh, we drove slowly until we reached the town of Maridi, uh, not Maridi, Mundri, uh, just over halfway, and that was midnight. Fortunately, Seme had seen what was going to happen, and about halfway through the evening, he had used his mobile to phone ahead to Mundri and book us into a guest house. So the two of us were able to spend the rest of the night in relative comfort. Most of the other passengers were sleeping on the ground. <laughs> so that was, um, yeah, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. I'm getting too old for that. Next day, again, we spent the morning sitting around waiting while the driver worked on the car. But at least we had a tree to sit under in Mundry. And uh, yeah, that was relatively pleasant. And uh, the journey to Maridi wasn't so bad. We got to Maridi about 7 o'clock in the evening. So that wasn't so bad. Um, in Maridi, we started um, training the actors or refreshing, uh, re rehearsing them, re-rehearsing them. Uh, we sat around under a tree, reading the script together. There were five Maridi actors, and then Seme, who was playing the part of Jesus, and a young man called Daniel, who was the narrator. And so that meant that everybody had to take several parts, including myself. I sometimes was reading Elizabeth, sometimes the angel, and even a couple of times Simon Peter or Annas or something like that. <laughs> But um, yeah, one of the great things about this trip, it wasn't all bad, there were some great things. And one of the great things was meeting old friends again. And this is Pastor Inossa, the guy that I first started translating with 40 years ago. And he must be nearly 100. But anyway, it's great to meet him and his wife and family again. And lots of other old friends too, too numerous to mention. On the 24th of March, we traveled on from Maridi to Ye. This was a much better journey. We had a known and trusted driver, another old friend, Mahmoud, who had worked as my driver when I lived in Uganda. And what looks like a much better car. And the road was much better from Maridi to Ye than from Juba to Maridi. So that was a good thing. Um, in Ye, once again, we practiced with the Ye actors. There were about, um, must have been ten or nine or ten of them, including Semi and the narrator. So again, we were sitting around under a tree, reading through the script, and I was filling in the parts that um, 
the, some of the actors in Meridi were supposed to be playing. Uh, we were in Ye for Palm Sunday. I enjoyed the Palm Sunday service very much indeed. And indeed, I enjoyed all the Mundu services I attended uh, during this trip. I enjoyed the lively singing. Um, I also enjoyed seeing some really tatty, well-used Mundu New Testaments. When the, um, when the New Testament was dedicated, or when I came home after that, I gathered that not too many copies of the New Testament had been sold. I mean, there's still a couple of thousand of them in store. And that's 10 years later. And that was discouraging to me. I had hoped to see an area-wide revival immediately. You know, as soon as the New Testament comes out, everybody buys it and reads it and gets converted. And it didn't quite happen like that. But uh, when I went out in 2011, I noticed that although the ordinary mundus, most of them didn't have Bibles, the average mundu under a tree, most of the pastors had Bibles, and they all looked really well used. And this time, I attended enough services and heard enough sermons to realize that the sermons seemed much deeper than the ones I'd heard in the past and indicated a much better understanding of the Scripture. So although uh, the results weren't as quick and as widespread as I would have liked to see, they were perhaps deeper and hopefully longer lasting. And we hope that this uh, deepening of the faith will spread from the pastors to the ordinary people in due course. Again, it wasn't all good. Um, I developed some very nasty blisters all down my right arm, which I eventually realized were sunburn, partly caused by that long trip from Juba to Meridi and partly aggravated by the pills I was taking against malaria, which apparently are well known to have that effect. And there were much more serious health problems. Semi's brother, Zephania, who was one of the better actors, uh, was rushed to hospital with appendicitis and had to have his appendix out. And, you know, that was the end of him being part of the, part of the acting team. And one of the Meridi actors, an old man called Dalia, who was playing Annas, he was also rushed to hospital in Meridi with what sounded like a bleeding ulcer. And we sent Mamutu to, back to Meridi after we got to Ye, Semi and I sent Mamutu back to Meridi to pick up the Meridi actors. That didn't work out because as soon as he got to Meridi, the car broke down. Could have been worse, could have, been, could have broken down halfway. But he did get to Meridi, but he needed a spare part to fix it. And it wasn't to be found in Meridi, which is quite a small town. And yeah, it took him a month to find that part. He only got home a few days ago. So that wasn't so good. However, the Meridi actors did manage to find... <laughs> These things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not only in Africa. Uh, the Meridi actors did manage to find another car and get themselves to Ye, although it also was giving trouble along the way. But they did get to Ye, and we were able to practice then with the whole group, um, as it should be. Um, and then on the 8th of April, we all packed into two cars on this occasion and traveled from Ye down to Arua in Uganda. That was quite a pleasant trip. Um, the road from Ye to the border was the best I'd seen in South Sudan. The border crossing was relatively painless. 
Um, the only thing is they want to see all your suitcases. So you have to take them down off the roof rack, open them up for the Sudanese customs to go through them, put them back on the roof rack, drive a quarter of a mile to the Uganda customs, take them all down again, open them up while the Uganda customs go through them. But um, there wasn't any problem, just took time. And then the road on the Uganda side was tarmacked and it was dual carriageway. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> so in no time at all, we arrived in Arua uh, to the Christus Center, a very pleasant Christian conference center uh, that I'd stayed in in the past. Um, there ahead of us were Christine and Onesimus from SIL Juba, Wycliffe that is, Wycliffe Juba, and they had made all the practical arrangements for us, which was great. And a couple of days later, Tim and Andy arrived and started setting up two recording studios in two of the bedrooms at the conference center. What they're doing with these mattresses is making a soundproofed recording booth. And the actors are recorded one at a time, or actually in our case, two at a time, because we had two studios. So one actor would sit inside this little booth and listen and watch the Jesus film in English and then record his or her lines. This is Dominic's daughter, Gloria, who is playing all the children's parts, including the boy Jesus, the little girl who greets Jesus when he arrives in Nazareth, the little boy who says, Daddy, lift me up, I want to see Jesus, and other such roles. Um, and then while the actors in the recording booth, then these are two dialogue directors, in this case, Dominic and Anoka, listening to what she says and um, deciding whether it's good, whether she needs to do it over again, whether he or she, um, whether there's enough drama, um, whether it's loud and clear, whether she's pronouncing the words right. There were two or three words that there was mostly names, that there was some dispute because they're pronounced differently in Sudan to the way they're pronounced in Congo, etc., etc. Uh, the recordist would be sitting in that chair, but he wasn't there when I was taking this photograph. He would be sitting in that chair and operating the computer. We heard soon after we arrived in Arua, we heard that Dalia, who was to play Annas, had died in Maridi Hospital. This was a great shock to everybody, especially those from Maridi who had known him well. But they decided to go ahead with the recording. And um, all the actors were able to watch the first draft of the Mundo Jesus film. Um, they were then uh, presented with a solar lamp and a pen and a certificate. And I think they were most pleased about the certificate. And they appeared to be, and a bunch of them went into a Rua town um, afterwards and had, the, had their certificates laminated so they could put them up on their walls and they wouldn't get tatty. Um, and then they all, most of the actors went back to South Sudan except for the six people on the approval team who stayed to watch the final version of the film once it had been mixed and the, the soundtrack, you know, the, the music and all the sound effects had been added. And you see that they all got t-shirts, except for Marietta, who got a length of cloth. Um, and they watched, as I say, the final version of the film. Now, do you see the projector there? 
It's actually sitting on top of its carrying case to give it enough height, but it's very, very small, not much bigger than a camera. In fact, no bigger than, smaller than some cameras. It's powered by a rechargeable battery, and the battery lasts for four hours. The film's just over two hours. So there should be no problem about showing the film in the remote villages, as well as in the towns where there's a decent um, electricity supply most of the time now. Not when I lived there, but things change. So eventually, the approval committee also went back to their homes, taking with them the final version of the film and the projector. And the Mundu Jesus film was shown for the first time last Sunday outside Maridi Cathedral. Uh, they report to me that over 500 people watched it. 25 people came forward to say they wanted to commit their lives to Jesus. Three people gave testimonies, and all of them saying how much they were moved to see the sufferings that Jesus went through and to realize that it was for our sins that he suffered. Um, fourth person, the dean of the cathedral, said he had seen this film a number of times in other languages, probably mostly English and maybe Sande, but he said this is the first time everybody has sat through it to the very end. Usually they get up and leave after the resurrection. Then at the end there's a boring bit with um, instructions about how to become a Christian and how Christians should meet together and pray and blah, 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 and people start to get up and leave. And the dean said, this is the first time they sat through it to the end and they paid attention and there weren't even whistles by arrogant boys. <laughs> so, you know, it makes a difference when you can understand what people are saying. So, this is exactly what Satan wanted to prevent. This is why it has been some, such a battle. And once again, I want to thank you all for your prayers. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, Dorothy, how can we pray for you and pray for the Mundu people? Well, um, pray for the Mundus. Oh, it's, it's this one, is it? Yes, pray for the Mundus. I mean, pray for those 25 people who said they wanted to follow Jesus. That they will get the teaching and discipling that they need and that the Lord will give them the Holy Spirit to help them to keep on. Um, pray that the projector will continue to work well and that the film will be shown many times and many people will watch it. Pray for me for guidance as to what next. There's a number of possibilities and I'm not uh, quite sure which one to go for. <laughs>